it's always been the same. I stop, I look, I dream, but I don't take the step. History tells us that in times of war, many commanders have given their prisoners the task of digging huge holes and moving the dirt in sacks across the camp, then dumping that dirt out in a huge pile. Weeks of digging, moving dirt, hauling soil. And sometimes, just as the hole was dug, as the prisoners could muster some sense of accomplishment, some hint of purpose, the commander would order the prisoners to move the dirt back and fill in the hole they just dug. The epitome of meaningless work. I know I'm not in a prison camp. Right now, my life feels like that. Work, buy, impress, whatever it is that day. I'm not actually accomplishing anything. I have no purpose. I am just digging, moving dirt, making a pile of what? I stop, I look, I dream of something more. It's always been the same, but not today. Today, I take the step. Today, I become more. Today, I realize I've made myself a prisoner. Today I decide my status does not give me purpose. Today I decide to love God rather than money. Today I decide to pursue my creator rather than success. Today I return to my father. I'll let you sit with that for just a moment. That video does a nice job of pointing us to where we're headed this morning. I want to begin by inviting you to think about a word with me, a, a word that you probably haven't used very recently. This might be a new word to you. It's a lovely word to say out loud. It's a good one to impress your friends with. The word I have for you is only nine letters long, but has four whole syllables in it. No, it's not that one. It's the next one. It's the word ephemeral. Ephemeral. 
Like I said, you probably haven't used that in conversation this week too often. And maybe it's a new word to you. Why don't you, you can say, you can say it out loud with me. It's ephemeral, ephemeral. Yeah, well, you're going to think of this word multiple times this week after you hear this sermon. It's going to come to mind for you because we're going to talk about that this morning. Ephemeral means short-lived. It means temporary or fleeting. It refers to things that don't last very long. For example, morning fog is ephemeral. The fog is ephemeral. It doesn't last very long. I think about it whenever I drive in here on foggy mornings that this is a low-lying area in Mount Joy, and sometimes the fog is so thick I can't see the church building from Musser Road. But in a few hours, it's gone. So is the steam that comes off a kettle, a teapot, the steam that comes off of that, or sandcastles. When you go to the beach and you build a sandcastle, a sandcastle is ephemeral. It doesn't last very long. So are chalk drawings on sidewalks and ice sculptures. So are soap bubbles and blooms of flowers. And I'm sorry to say, but ice cream cones are ephemeral. Whether you eat them or not, they don't last very long, do they? Uh, Sunsets and your reflection in a mirror, these things are all ephemeral. So are fireworks. Fireworks only last for a few seconds. They are ephemeral. And I'm sorry to say as well that the winning and losing of your favorite sports team is also ephemeral. I, I watch sports too, with many, like many of you do, but I realize that if you just surprise me and ask me who won the Super Bowl last year, I have to stop and think. Or who won the World Series last year or two years ago, I have to stop and think. Seasons come and go, right? The winnings and losings come and go. But does that mean that these things are bad or that we should avoid these things? No, I don't think so. It just means that we're not devastated when they disappear because we don't expect them to be permanent. It doesn't, it doesn't also doesn't mean that they're not beautiful or they're not worth some amount of our time. No, we realize that even though sandcastles, for instance, are ephemeral, they add some fun to our days. Even though soap bubbles are ephemeral, they add some real joy to our play. Even though fireworks are ephemeral, we, go, we drive to see them, we'll pay to see them. Even though in a few, you know, a few minutes or maybe even 20 or 30 minutes, they're just gone. So we understand that even though these things don't last very long, they add texture and they add beauty to our lives. The key is to have them in the right box in our minds, right? That we don't expect permanence of these things. The key is to not get attached to them in the same way that we would get attached to things that last longer, where the attachments make more sense. So keep that word in mind, ephemeral, as I read for you our text for this morning from the first chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. The teacher is the, the, the author or the person who's quoted in the book of Ecclesiastes. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. <clears throat> the sun rises and the sun sets, and then it hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. And then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again into the sea. 
I like this next, this next verse. Everything is wearisome beyond description. The teacher is looking at a blank wall here, isn't he? Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people will say, here's something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past and in the future. In future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. Pretty sobering. This is echoed in the book of in Psalm 103 where the writer says, Our days on earth are like grass. Like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. Well, maybe you weren't too troubled when I said that soap bubbles and sandcastles and fireworks were, <clears throat> were ephemeral. But this is a little more troublesome, isn't it? Because <clears throat> the teacher here is basically saying everything is ephemeral. The teacher here is saying everything is ephemeral. And he says, I know what I'm talking about. Later in this book, he says, I've tried everything there is to try. I've succeeded in every way that anyone can succeed. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, we are not getting anywhere. We're not making any progress. No matter how hard you work today, today ends and tomorrow comes around and we start all over again. Even when our dreams come true, we aren't truly satisfied. We always sense that there's something more, something beyond our reach. He says nothing we build lasts very long. The things that are precious to us don't mean anything to the people who come after us. And then he says also in this passage, we haven't learned from history and the people who come after us won't learn from our experience either. <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty sobering perspective. And I think we want to object when, it, when, you, when you hear this being read and we say, well, it's not true that everything is ephemeral, is it? It's not true that everything is fleeting or temporary. What about things that outlast us like buildings or corporations or empires, nations? Surely those are longer lasting. I thought about, when I thought about buildings, I was reminded of a McDonald's that was, that's near my house that was there when I was in high school. I remember eating uh, burgers and fries there after a basketball games in high school. A few years ago, I was stunned to uh, come around the corner and see that that whole building had been entirely demolished. And all that was left was a construction fence, a, a sort of a chain link fence that was surrounding this empty property. And I thought... How, can, how is this possible? Well, as you probably guessed, that a few weeks or a few months, they rebuilt the thing according to a new design, and then it was open for business, and it's been running again since then. I don't know how many times that's happened since I was in high school. Maybe that happens periodically for businesses, but <clears throat> it, it reminds me that even the things that are made of uh, brick and stone and mortar, those things are in some sense ephemeral as well. And with corporations, yeah, they probably outlive uh, people, but I'm old enough to remember corporations that some of you have never heard of before. For instance, in terms of airlines, Pan Am, when I was a little boy, Pan Am was the airline, the, the, the preeminent airline. It was a prestigious airline, flew internationally, and some of you have probably never heard of Pan Am, Pan American Airways, I think it was. Or what about TWA, another really prominent airline that just doesn't exist anymore. 
I remember when I was younger and was fixing up uh, one of the early houses that we owned, I bought supplies at Heckinger's and Home Bil- and Builder Square. Some of you never heard of those companies because what? They've gone out of business. They're not there anymore. What about empires? The most powerful empire in the world at the time that the book of Ecclesiastes was written was the Babylonian Empire in, the, in what located geographically in what we now know as the country of Iraq. The Babylonian Empire gave way eventually to the Persian Empire. And several centuries later, gave, that gave way to the Roman Empire in that part of the world. The Roman Empire was eventually followed by the Umayyad Empire, the Abbasid Empire, the Seljuk Empire, the Ottoman Empire. And some of you have never heard of these empires. But the people who lived for centuries under the rule of these empires would be shocked to know that you've never heard of those empires because they completely dominated all that was true about their lives. All of their way of life was shaped under these empires. And now you and I have never even heard of some of them. So maybe buildings and corporations and empires aren't ephemeral in the same way that steam or fog is ephemeral, but they clearly are not permanent either, are they? They don't last forever. You know, many people through the centuries have pondered this dilemma, with this, this uh, idea that everything is meaningless, that nothing lasts very long. And the truth is that people have tried to make sense of that. If you studied other world religions, you know that Buddhists would mostly agree with this text, that nothing is permanent. And so what they teach is don't get too attached to anything that's physical or or to your desires because everything changes. Everything dissolves, according to Buddhism, that life and history revolve in endless cycles. And in fact, one of the core teachings is you'll save yourself a lot of trouble if you can train yourself not to get too attached to things or to people or most especially to your desires. If you can train yourself not to get too caught up in those things, you'll live a much more peaceful life because it's all meaningless. It all just cycles through. The teaching of Hinduism would agree with that mostly with this text and with Buddhists. The one key difference in Hinduism is the idea that yourself doesn't necessarily dissolve when you go through endless repetitions, that you can actually move across time as a meaningful self toward greater happiness, and eventually you can escape this endless cycle, endless cycle of change. But in both Buddhism and Hinduism, history is just an endless cycle of change where days and seasons and years just go around and around and around, echoing what our author says, what the teacher says here. And Christians have struggled with this book of Ecclesiastes. We recognize that there's, there's, this sounds kind of true, but we know it's not the whole story. We know it's not the whole story. Ecclesiastes is part of uh, the wisdom literature in the Bible. It's part of the wisdom literature in the Hebrew uh, scriptures, along with Proverbs and Job. The three main books of wisdom literature are Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Job. Some listings also include Psalm and Psalms and the book and Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. So, in some listings, there are five books in the wisdom literature. And the thing to know about the wisdom literature in the Bible is that the authors are not trying to speak for God in the same way that the prophets do. They're not saying this is what the Lord says. So when I, when I read that passage for you this morning, you noticed that it didn't say, this is what the Lord says, everything is meaningless. 
these books of wisdom are written more um, by, it's better to understand them as being written by wise people who are kind of stroking their chins and saying, how could we help, help prepare younger people to live well in God's world? How can we prepare younger people to live in a world where not everything seems to add up the way we'd like it to, where cause and effect, we realize, don't work in quite as precise a way as we wish they would? And so these three books, these five books, are written more from that perspective to help acquaint us with some of the challenges of life and how to navigate them with wisdom, wisely. And so that's why they're called the the books or the wisdom books. So what do we do with this text as followers of Jesus who come along much later and we have the life and teachings, the death and resurrection of Jesus to, uh, to factor into how we think about these things? What do we do with the fact that we still experience some sense, sometimes at least, a sense of emptiness or meaningless in our, meaninglessness in our lives with the idea that so many of the things that we work hard on, the things we invest so much energy and time into, don't seem to last, that they turn out to be ephemeral. Things like keeping up with your social media feed, your Instagram feed. If anything is ephemeral, that certainly is. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means you need to put it in the right box in your mind. What about making sure that you're dressed just right or that your hair looks just right? I realize it's easy for me to throw shade on that one, but uh, (laughs) some of us spend a lot of time on that. And it doesn't last very long, does it? What about building a collection of something? When I was a child, uh, I collected stamps. And I still have that collection. It's in a box in my basement. I don't spend as much time on it as I used to. But what about building a collection of, of stamps or miniatures or animals, figures, or dolls or photos? Or even trying to find exactly the right place to live or having your house be exactly up to the standard that you have for it? Or having your cabin be up to the exact standard that you have for it. Or maybe it's even your job where you can be hoping for the right, just the right job or hoping for a promotion or a raise. You find out that the accomplishments and the peace of yesterday don't necessarily carry over into today. Where the satisfaction of promotions and raises turn out to be ephemeral as well. They don't last as long as you wish they would. Because more responsibilities, I have enough experience to know that more responsibilities from a promotion often means bigger challenges, more, more challenges connected to those responsibilities. And raises are great, but if you've had one, you know that you, can, you pretty quickly get used to having more money and you imagine, oh, if I just had a little bit more than what I've got now, then I would be really happy. The satisfaction turns out to be another thing that's ephemeral. Does it mean that these things are bad? Or that we should avoid them? No, I don't think so. None of the things I just listed are necessarily bad things. As I said, it just means we need to put them in the right box and not get attached to them in the way that we might get attached to something that's more permanent. To not start to think of them as if they were worth our entire focus and the entire energies of our lives. So this morning as we think about this text in Ecclesiastes 1 and the meaninglessness of parts of our lives, I want to offer you three responses, three action steps, if you want to think of them that way, or three ways to to think about or to approach this area of understanding, this area of wisdom. And the first one is to simply acknowledge that ordinariness and repetition are part of our lives. This is just part of the human condition. 
that there is a certain amount of ordinariness to human life. There's a certain amount of repetition. Just living in a physical body means that you need to eat, you need to sleep, you need to clean up, you need to exercise, at least some mix of those things on a daily basis, hopefully. We also prepare food, so we need to clean up the kitchen. We do laundry. Sometimes it seems like that's an endless cycle. But just living in a human body means that there is a certain rhythm of repetition to this. I, I think about this sometimes when I get in bed at night, and I, if I've had a really busy day or if I've just come home kind of late from a, an evening meeting and I'm uh, going pretty directly into bed, I'm climbing into bed and I'm thinking, didn't I just lay down to sleep about an hour ago? I feel like I just did this. And here I am again, getting into bed to sleep for all these hours. It feels like there's some endless repetition in some, in some days like that. For others of you, it might be that uh, your daily rhythms include care, for, really demanding self-giving care for another person. Maybe a younger, ch- younger children or an older person. You're in a kind of a hidden and somewhat thankless season of life and you think, wow, I just did this yesterday. Is this, this is coming around again and again. Am I making a difference? Does this really matter? Or if you live by yourself, maybe you're an older person and you live by yourself and you wake up in the morning and you think, my house is empty again. Here I am by myself again. Filling my days, filling the space that I'm in, living by myself. Or maybe it's in your work where you think, wow, here I am back at work today and the challenges I have today are the same ones I faced yesterday and here I am at them again. So I think one of, the, one of the ways to respond to this text this morning is to think about this. Are you struggling with the ordinariness and the repetition that's part of your life right now, part of this season of life for you? Are you feeling the pain of the teacher who's dismayed at how meaningless this seems to be? And it may be small comfort to know that this is at least partly true for all of us, that no matter how busy we are, how connected we are, how active, our, uh, how active the phase of life that we're in right now, ordinariness and repetition is part of the human journey. It's true for all of us. And that's just a reality that we live with. But there's more. There's more. The second response I would encourage you to consider is to focus on the richness of the present, to enjoy the gifts of today, to enjoy the gifts of living in a human body, to enjoy the gifts of the just the simple pleasures of eating and sleeping. Those are wonderful gifts to us. The past is gone. The future isn't here yet. We only have the present. We only have today to live in. So make the most of today. Actually, the teacher gets around to saying that in other parts of Ecclesiastes. He says, make the most of the day that's in front of you. Learn to enjoy your work. Enjoy the rhythms and the people of your day. Enjoy the rhythms of exercise, of sleeping and eating, of your work. I couldn't find the origin of this phrase that I say to myself quite, quite often, actually, which is simple pleasures are the best. The simple pleasures of the day are often really rich if you, stay ta- if you stop and take time to appreciate them. You've heard me say before that the seasons and the stages of your life pass quickly. So I'm going to urge you not to be so focused on the past that you miss the joys of today, either the the pain of the past or the joys of the past. You know, I really had it good back then. Those were the good days or those were the terrible days. I just can't quite get over how awful those days were in the past. I urge you to let go of those if they interfere with your focus on the present. The future isn't here yet either. We can be overly focused on uh, the future either because we're afraid of what's coming or we can't wait to get something that's in the future and we miss 
the people and the joys of the day in which we live. So one of the ways to put this this response into practice would be to think about what is it that's truly refreshing to you right now in this season of life? What is it that brings delight to your heart right now? What are the things that you enjoy that enable you to really be in the present? I'm always, uh, one of the things that I enjoy is stepping out of my car in the parking lot in the days when the plant is grinding up the cocoa beans here in Mount Joy. And I think, oh, you can just inhale chocolate. And it's calorie-free as far as I know. Uh, but where, where else, I've never lived anywhere else where I can just stop and just inhale chocolate. It's a wonderful experience and gives me a chance to pause and enjoy the treasure or the pleasure of that day. Or maybe it's just in enjoying the preparation of or the eating of a really delicious meal. One of the things that's been fun for us and our family as our children have become adults is to discover that all of our children enjoy cooking. And so one of the things that really, we really enjoy doing on our vacation times when we're able to be together or when we're gathered for the holidays is to work together to prepare the meal, that, the special meal that we're going to enjoy. So yeah, we enjoy the special meal and that's wonderful, but we almost enjoy the two hours beforehand even more because we're all in the kitchen together, we're kind of divvying up the responsibilities, we're talking and laughing. What a wonderful treasure in the moment, enjoying the the, the pleasure of that day. For others of you, it's a form of exercise that you can enjoy. For me, when I was younger, it was basketball. Yeah, I got a lot of exercise playing basketball, but I I didn't play basketball mostly for the exercise. I played it because it was just pure fun. It was, for me, it still is the beautiful game. I know other candidates, there are other candidates out there, but for me, it was always basketball. And I love to play basketball for the just simple joy of it. I know, I think for some of you, it's pickleball right now. You're playing, or at least I hope so, given how much some of you are playing. Uh, for some of you, it's CrossFit, but there are other ways to, or maybe it's just a long walk. This is a wonderful time of year to be going on a long walk outside to enjoy the physical pleasures of today and the reality of today. So we can acknowledge that there is a certain amount of ordinariness and repetition that's part of human life. We can enjoy the richness and the gifts of today, but we can also live with hope for the future. We can also live, and I urge you to live with hope for the future, because according to the story of God, history is not circular. Human history has a beginning and it has an end. It's going to have an end. And this human history between those points is tended, carefully tended, by our loving and all-powerful Heavenly Father. A completely different picture of human history. There's three main chapters to the story. The Bible tells us the God story that's told in the Bible. There's creation, there's redemption, this long season that we're currently in, and there's restoration, where the original creation is going to be restored in all of its glory to its fullness, and we'll see the full coming of what Jesus called the kingdom of God, where God's rule and God's reign is just so, so fully in place that it just shapes every part of our reality. The coming of Jesus, his life, his death, and resurrection gave us new hope and gave us a new perspective, a new understanding about what's coming in the future, a new reason to live with hope for the future. But history is going somewhere. It has a destination. It is not endlessly circular. The teacher in Ecclesiastes tells us that everything is meaningless, that everything is ephemeral. But listen to what Jesus, the greater teacher, tells us in Matthew 6. As as I read it to you, think about 
the contrast he makes between the permanence of God and how ephemeral the worries and cares of everyday life are. Jesus agrees with the writer, the teacher of Ecclesiastes, that many things are ephemeral, but he, is not, he does not agree with him that everything is ephemeral. Matthew 6, Jesus says, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their own clothing. And yet King Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as the lilies of the field are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, you know what that is called now, right? They're ephemeral. If God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith in him? So don't worry about these things, Jesus says. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all these other things that we've talked about this morning that are fleeting or temporary, that don't last as long as we think they will or as long as we'd like them to. I think we can enjoy the richness of the present, but Jesus here urges us to put the seeking of the kingdom of God above all else, to live with hope for the future. The reason we seek the kingdom of God above all else is because we know that's what's coming. It's already here and we know that it's coming in its fullness. And that's how we cooperate with the story of God, with what God calls us to. But notice in this passage in Matthew 6 that Jesus points to several things that are not ephemeral, several things that are not fleeting. The main one is your heavenly Father. Your heavenly Father is not temporary, is not passing away. The second thing is his care for you. God's care for us is not temporary, it's not fleeting, it's constant. God is constant, his care for us is constant, and the kingdom of God is not passing away. The kingdom of God is eternal. It has its roots in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's going to be, it's, it's growing, like he said, like a mustard seed, like yeast. It's growing in its impact and its reach. It's growing in its reach. So he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Line your life up with the kingdom of God. And live righteously, or in other words, live in a way that pleases God or that honors God. So this morning, if you're here and you, or you're watching us by video, if you feel like your life is empty and meaningless, that may be a signal that you're too caught up with things that are ephemeral, things that are temporary. It, mean, it may mean that you're too consumed with things that aren't going to last and that something deep, inside you know, something deep inside you knows that. Something deep inside you knows that the things that you're spending your time and your energy and your money on aren't really going to last. That you're not living 
in the hope that Jesus gives for the, the future that God has promised us. So as we consider what to do with this word this morning, I want to invite you in this moment of reflection and as we move into singing, I want to invite you to think of two or three things, two or three things that are most important to you right now. Maybe close your eyes. I'm going to just give you a minute of silence, a brief moment of silence to think about this. Close your eyes and think about the last week or two and think about what you've spent your time on. What have you put a lot of energy into in the last week or two? What have you worked hard on, maybe spent money on, significant amount of money on? Two or three things, what comes to mind for you? And the main question I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself is, how long do you expect those things to last? Are those things really worth your deepest devotion? Are you spending your best time and energy right now on things that are really worth your deepest devotion? I think that's the message of this word for us this morning. Are you focused on things that won't last? Maybe good things. Maybe they're good things. But if, you're, if you have them in the wrong box, if you're focused on them as though you're hoping that they will last, you're not going to be satisfied. You're going to end up thinking that things are meaningless. If you've poured all your energies into your work or into the quality of your house or your cabin, poured all your energies into, into a football game or fantasy football, maybe a baseball game or the, the physical condition of your body, none of those things are bad. But they're not ultimately going to last Have you, put, have you put energy into seeing God's kingdom grow in your own life or in the world around you, to seeing the rule of God grow and extend in its control, in its rule of your own life or of the world around you? I'm going to invite you to think about that in prayer in this moment and prayer in the week to come. I invite you to agree with the teacher who says, enjoy the richness and the gifts of today, but we also want to agree with Jesus, the greater teacher, who calls us to live with hope for the future, to live with a focus on the future that is the kingdom of God's coming. Lord, we thank you.